You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, or getting more out of life, this is the show for you. To learn more about building optimal performance into your life, check out naturalstacks.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. I'm your host, Ryan Muncie. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I want to welcome in today's guest, Mr. Taylor Collins, co-founder of Epic Provisions. Taylor, hello. Hey, man. How are you doing? Great. I'm great. So, uh, first of all, the Epic Bars, uh, they are appropriately named jerky sticks filled with grass-fed meat. No BS. If you guys haven't been exposed to this yet, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of, of Epic um, but Taylor, thank you personally uh, for creating these, <laughs> and, and thanks for being here with us today. This is going to be a cool episode. For sure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, and happy to uh, help you get some nourishing animal protein in your diet, and also be here. Yeah. So uh, we'll go through a little bit of housekeeping first, guys. As always, go to naturalstacks.com uh, so that you can see the video version of this podcast and get the show notes, links, and resources uh, I'm sure Taylor's going to drop a lot of knowledge on us. We'll have links to everything that he talks about so you guys can just click and further uh, dig into whatever we talk about. Uh, also, if you haven't done so, make sure that while you're on the site, you sign up for our VIP list and you can stay up to date with all of the information and happenings that are going on in our world. Make sure you share the Optimal Performance Podcast with anybody that you know who would enjoy or benefit from what we're talking about. Um, so with that said, let's get right into this. Uh, Taylor and I have already been talking a little bit before we hit record about our love for hunting. Um, so I wish we recorded some of that. We'll, maybe we'll touch on that later on if we have time, Taylor, but you just got back from Hawaii, man. What, what does the co-founder of Epic Provisions do on vacation in Hawaii? <laughs> um, so, so my wife is my, the other half of the co-founder and, uh, so we're in a pretty, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the luckiest guy because I get to, A, uh, create a badass business with my lover, but also um, she's pretty epic and she does cool things. And so we kind of kid around, but when we go on vacation, it, it very much is like a boot camp. And more than anything, it's our excuse to be outside as much as we possibly can and to probably do like two-a-day, three-a-day workouts and just get completely shredded to where... When it's time to come home, I mean, we're exhausted. So <laughs> we did just tons of like open ocean swimming, um, some surfing, hiked some huge mountains. Uh, we rented bicycles and, and rode across the island. Um, so, I mean, there was never a, a dull moment. Very little lounging and relaxing, like truly Hawaiian style. That is so cool. That sounds like the perfect vacation. What uh, What kind of travel hacks or tips can you share with us? I'm sure... Somebody like you has a, uh, if nothing else, you had a backpack loaded down with, with epic bars. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> for us, it, it, yeah, we always have uh, probably, you know, it's going to be your best opportunity and best bet to, to bring some of your staples and uh, your favorites. And so, like, 
for me, um, because we are pushing it so hard and, and honestly working out pretty vigorously when we're on vacation, I mean, um, definitely want to have some kind of grass-fed meat in my diet. So I am going to bring like some jerky snacks or some Epic bars. Um, but then for me too, lately, I've been um, hitting the gym pretty hard. And, and so we continue always to do that on, on vacation. So, you know, I'll, I'll always bring like some, some collagen um, or some whey or some natural stacks combo where you could just put it in a little plastic bag. I mean, in all, in all honesty, yeah. you know, like now doing that, it, there's, I just want to make sure that I get, um, get the protein that I need. And, and, and I love, uh, still, I love butter coffees every morning. And so I can find butter, I can find coffee, um, you know, it hit or miss on MCT oil, but like, it, yeah, it's just some collagen, whey protein, bam, dump it in there. Um, it's good stuff. I'm sure they have some coffee and coconuts in Hawaii. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned butter coffee. What other like morning routines do you have whether it's at home or on the road? I mean, you're 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 active, you're you're into fitness. Obviously as a business owner, you've got to be mentally sharp. What kinds of things are you doing to kind of get yourself into that that best state for performance, uh, whether it's at home or on the road? Yeah, man. Um, every every morning in Austin, uh, my wife and I will wake up and we'll either go on uh, like an hour run in the Greenbelt. So we have this really beautiful natural preserve right outside of our, our house. And so really immersing ourselves in nature, kind of trying to do it when the sun's coming up. So like you're, you're running. Um, I, I run with my dog. And so it's like this really awesome primal connection where uh, it's very low light. And so you're kind of... Um, really it enhances your other senses. So your sense of, uh, your, your vision is like really like dialing in and just your general awareness and your proprioception, your body awareness has to be like heightened or you're going to sprain your ankle. And to do that and to see like the sun come up and like feel the, the warmth on your skin and really get to experience like the transition from night to day, being outside, being a part of that, uh, really inspires me and helps me get really creative towards the day and focus on the things I want to accomplish. And then, you know, after that, it, it really comes down to I'll either do a butter coffee um, or I'll, I, I make bone broth quite a bit. And so, you know, I'll, I'll boil bones usually once a week, monster pots, and then I'll just make killer soups out of it. And, and so, I'll, you know, I'll heat something up like that, a soup as well, and, uh, and then start my day and then, you know, go super hard, feel really great and focused, really sustained energy. Um, honestly, not, I don't have to eat again till one or two o'clock and uh, really productive mornings. Awesome, awesome. Now, as you mentioned, some of that uh, the running where your your sentence, senses have to be heightened. Um, I just read "Go Wild" by John Rattay. I don't know if you've have you read that book. Mm -mm. He is a phenomenal uh, researcher and writer, and he wrote another book, Spark. That is, it was actually his first book, and the the most recent one was Go Wild. So, if you guys are listening, those are two great books to to check out. But Spark talks about the connection between exercise and the brain, and then in Go Wild, they talk about basically getting back to a lot of ancestral patterns, whether it's through exercise, uh, mindfulness, or or um, diet. But they talk a lot about uh, very much like you said, the, the comparison of running or being outdoors in a state where you have to have all of your senses at full awareness compared to being able to get on a treadmill and just check out. And uh, there's a lot of research going into it showing that it increases uh, neurogenesis um, and that with, there have actually been some studies where um, 
couple of schools had a zero period experimental class and and in this zero period they had the kids do intense exercise and they found that uh, these children did that and then went straight into their school day and that they performed significantly better in school after starting their day with exercise uh, especially exercise that you know engaged all their senses like you're talking about so it's really cool that I mean, you, you kind of stumbled onto that just by being connected to your body and nature and figuring out like, hey, this is what works. Yeah, man, it's, it's a trance. It's a, it's a trance state where you just have a, a heightened sense of awareness. And um, honestly, I'd say like some of my greatest uh, accomplishments, some of my greatest ideas, um, greatest problem solving has happened being in that exact state, just mm-hmm. being one with nature, being very grounded being very inspired by my surroundings and just having this mindfulness that I can't achieve anywhere else. Well, and this is a perfect segue to go right into talking about Epic. I mean, you guys, you, you basically, the story is you were tired of, you guys lived this epic and adventurous life that you've just kind of described to us. You got tired of, you know, all these high sugar or fruit filled bars and you wanted something that was, you know, more meat based. Uh, tell us about the beginnings of Epic. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, it's been a it's been a journey and it's been a saga. And I think um, I think that's how life should be. I think you should always try to grow and to learn and and always evolve and develop over time. Because I mean, if you're not, you're a really boring. You're just not really diversified. You don't really understand that much holistically about the world. And so we, for a really long time, my wife and I were were vegetarians, and um, we thought that's how athletes were optimized. And we were both training for Ironman races, um, ultra trail races, so a lot of like really high level endurance uh, sports and uh, conventional wisdom. I mean, I was in an exercise sports uh, science program. Uh, I was a physical therapist. I went to graduate school, and so uh, along my entire educational training, um, you know, it was like these diets that were low in fat, high in carbohydrates. Um, those were what athletes, you know, optimized on. So we, we thought we were doing the right thing and we, we did it for a really long time and our bodies were just getting shredded and we never really reached. We always felt like we were missing something. And um, so, you know, as we got more and more serious about sports, Katie actually won a, a really big Ironman race in Wisconsin and qualified for the Kona, which is the world championship Ironman. And it was at that point where her body just completely like all the nuts and bolts and all like the duct tape that we were throwing on her to just like try to piece her together completely crumbled. And um, it's a big disaster. And so we we just, again, like took this opportunity to learn and to pivot and to grow. And it was certainly outside of our comfort zone, but definitely just did a whole 180 degree pivot on our diet. And it was the best decision we ever made. And so we started introducing like high quality fats. Um you know, grass-fed animal meats and um, really eliminating sugars, carbs, really um, kind of conventional, you know, process sports performance. Yeah. And it was game-changing. We could never go back. And so we we now were like we had – we were basically had like this whole like vegetarian culture that we had created that we just flipped the switch overnight and started eating meat. And um, we had to find a product that could really like sachet that <laughs> – that hunger that we had in, in, in this fuel that really helped our bodies perform and thrive. And so that was the genesis of creating Epic. And, and I mean, when we were really conceptualizing this, we, we'd go out on, on big, like hundred mile bike rides and we'd bring, uh, like 
a pound of bacon each where normally we would maybe like slam, I don't know, 10 sugar goo, like goo gel, carbohydrate gels on this ride and just drink some like nasty sludgy, like carbohydrate mixture in our water bottles. But you know, like we would say, okay, this obviously like eating this way makes us feel good uh, for recovery. It makes us feel good just like when we're focusing and thinking and creating and doing business. But like, does this actually work for us when we're performing and competing? And so we started experimenting there. And again, it was just next level. And so uh, really inspired to create something that just athletes, people on the go, uh, people who are mindful about ingredients could could put in their bag and, and just really like kick ass and feel good about it. Yeah, you guys have an amazing product and, and I love it. And like I said earlier, thank you guys for doing it. Um, as you talk about that transition though, what were some of the resources that you guys used to educate yourselves on how to make that transition that maybe you could share with our listeners that if somebody wanted either just more information, you know, for, for pleasure's sake, or just to look into resources for knowledge to, to make that switch themselves? Sure. Yeah. The, the, the very first book that kind of introduced us more to a, a primal diet was called um, Eat Right for Your Blood Type. It's by a, a guy named Diadamo, and essentially, you know, he he says, um, "Hey, look at the evolution of our species. Um, every time there's a dramatic shift in diet, that represents a change in blood type throughout history. And so, whereas like our the original blood type is O, like O positive, O negative, and that's when our ancestors were like strictly eating a hunter gatherer diet. And then when things started shifting, and we started introducing agriculture." That's when like the blood shifted from an O to an A. And then B, the the shift like B got introduced into the pool whenever our ancestors started, you know, like domesticating animals and doing things like drinking milk, making cheese, consuming a lot of dairy. And so, and then like the latest evolution is A B, which is kind of like this weird genetic mutation that no one can really understand. And and it's just like really kind of fucked up. Like it's, it's like a mutt. And so the <laughs> assumption is it's, it's introduced with a lot of, of the shitty food that we're eating now as, as a culture. And so, um, so, so Katie and I thought this was really fascinating. Other cultures around the world believe in this, like in certain Asian countries, um, when they're hiring for certain positions, like in big companies, if it's a management role, they'll say, Hey, you need to be this type of blood type because wow. there's, yeah, certain characteristics that are represented and, and accurate within these with these people. Um, and there's other countries where, um, you know, like if people are dating or looking for a life partner, they will actually look for compatibility with blood type. And so there's some so there's some truth to this in, in Western society, Western culture really knows nothing about it. But so we, we actually had our blood tested. And um, when I was reading this book, it was saying all these characteristics of of O type blood. And it was talking about like your, your preference or your affinity for, um, exercise and kind of like these people tend to be a little bit more into explosive exercise, competitive. Um, whereas like a blood type tends to be more into like namaste yoga, like water aerobics, and they all have different characteristics and then they have uh, personality characteristics. And we were reading this and Katie and I were just like, shit, if we are not, O, like (laughs) I'm going to be really pissed because this (laughs) This is like, it means you have to take up yoga. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm not taking yoga. I, like for me, it doesn't work. And right. I, I just I've tried it. And um, and so we both went to the blood bank and um, donated blood. And we were both O positive. And so that was kind of 
a little bit of a fist pump and like, let's go hard and let's just try out this theory, this idea of eating a certain way um, that's consistent with our blood and our genetics and our, our evolutionary diets. And, and that was a, a phenomenal intro to this primal eating. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a cool resource. Thank you for, for sharing that one. And I'm actually, I'm trying to peek around the corner. I have a bookshelf over here and, and I, my, my mom actually bought me that book for a, a <laughs> yes. gift and I haven't oh. read it. I'm sorry, mom. You're going to love it. Yeah, It's so, really interesting. So I'll have to dig into that one. But yeah, um, there's, really, there's something really interesting about it. Do you know your blood type? I don't. And I think that's why I didn't read the book. I was like, I don't want to read the book if I don't know which one of these I am. (laughs) Most people, most people uh, don't know their blood type before this, which is also pretty strange. But I think one of the most fun things to do as you're reading this book, just make a list of all your close friends and your family members. Mm -hmm. And, and honestly, so like we wrote down probably 15 of our closest friends and family members in reading this book. We, we wrote like we took educated guesses on their blood type based on this book. Yeah. And I think we had like an 80% success rate, which is pretty crazy. That so is that, awesome. That's pretty that, fun. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and I just want to go back to for our listeners, I realize a lot of people do enjoy yoga. I like it. I love the mobility aspect. Um, I, that was just kind of a joke because I could tell Taylor was not a, a, a huge fan. You didn't, you didn't want to be, you didn't want to have to switch your modality of, of your favorite exercise. Totally. And yeah, I agree, man. You can't like no one lifestyle or diet is cookie cutter. And yeah, yeah, yoga has a very special place in many people's lives. And I'm actually a huge fan of Bikram yoga. That's my favorite way to meditate. I like it to, to kind of decompress from all of the intense and and heavy lifting that I do. So I'll just throw that one out there. No. Yeah. Yogis, you guys are are way more popular than probably like the endurance ultra runners in this (laughs) community of ours we're, we're way more outcast than you guys so taylor what kind of hurdles did you guys face when you began with epic that maybe you didn't expect to see or, or face yeah i think one of the the biggest learning opportunities that we try to continue to integrate into our business and our lives is when you have an idea um, you need to make sure the idea is polished up before you start pitching it and the the real application of this was we you know all of our kind of mentors in life people who has always been there for Katie and I we we've always been entrepreneurs and um, all these people when we were reaching out telling them about the idea everyone said that's that's the worst thing I've ever heard don't do it that's stupid um, we actually went to Whole Foods because it's the global office is based in Austin so it's right down the street and we told their buying team about this product that was going to change the world and it's going to it's going to be called epic and it was this meat bar and they said that's disgusting don't do it like whatever <laughs> you do, don't do that we're not taking it and and so like the lesson learned there and the challenge was like if you're creating something like when you're presenting it i say it's really important to present it in a form that people can connect and get behind and so for us that's that's with branding and i think a lot of other companies uh, the branding, your messaging, your consumer-facing uh, front is more important than, than anything else. So like when we actually developed the package um, for the very first time and handed over the product to Whole Foods and buyers and, 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 and our mentors, that's, that's when things clicked and people said, yeah, this is, this is killer, this is badass, this is going to change things. Um, and so you know, I, I think that's really important and I'd encourage a lot of entrepreneurs and creative thinkers to really – integrate that into your life somehow. I think I would highlight too the fact that, you know, 
you guys were, were flat out told by somebody quite influential, hey, don't do this. And you did it anyway because you believed in it and it was what you wanted to do. And now look at it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Huge point, man. And I, I tell entrepreneurs that all the time. Uh, there's no one repeatable path to business. Just like in life, there's no like one single repeatable path to optimizing your life. Um, there's a lot of variability, and I think at the end of the day, you need to rely on your your instinct. And you need to really get a you need to be able to like listen to your gut and understand how to do that. And when you can, it's next level. Like you're unstoppable. That is I, that's just so cool. Um, I, I had no idea that, that that many people would have told you up front, like, "Hey, we don't think this is a good idea." What other lessons have you guys learned through creating this company and, and building it to what it is now? Yeah. Um, man, I think, um, I think surrounding yourself by people that are in line with what you're doing and, and see the mission, the value, and they get behind it is way more important than surrounding yourself with people who are like quote unquote industry experts or, Hey, this guy has been doing it for 20 years or this guy helped build this company and they just exited for X amount of money. Like those people are honestly like in my experience overrated and kind of full of themselves. But like we have really learned to identify and spot people who are passionate and, and who are just so, into the greater purpose and mission of the brand. And, and those are the people that I think are, are really impactful and can, and can really separate you from competition or really just help inspire you to continue to, to just drive forward, push, push uh, the envelope and try to be the, the best version of yourself. And so that's been a huge one for us. All right. Very cool. So let's, let's kind of take that and, and let's talk about something that I know you and I are both passionate about. You already mentioned agriculture a little while ago. So, so let's talk about farming and, and some, if I can get that word out, some sustainability stuff, ethics. Uh, I know you guys control, uh, you guys have your own ranch where, where most of your meat comes from, right? So talk to us about that side of Epic. Yeah, so um, so we, we actually we, we don't have our own ranch yet. So that's something that we've been working on uh, for the past three months, and um, we're really trying to get this conveniently located uh, ranch property, ideally thirty minutes outside of Austin, Texas, where it can serve as an educational center, something that brings in buyers, decision makers, um, even consumers, so people can actually come connect with the land and see things very holistically. And again, like what we do is we're, we're very particular on, on the sources of our animal protein. And so we like for our ranchers to think about things holistically. Um, we get way more excited if, if one of our producers are, are consider themselves like a grass farmer than, than a bison rancher or a beef rancher because they're really focusing in on, on where everything begins, which is the land and the quality of the land and the health of the land, because that's really the only way that you can create healthy, food, uh, healthy animals and then healthy animals create healthy food. Um, but without that healthy land element, you just can't really do a good job nailing the second two. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, so, I mean, for us, we've really worked hard to dispel this myth um, there's so many like myths in the world and these are things that, that we're all learning and growing, but like 
One of the most prevalent ones um, is that agriculture, especially uh, meat production, is, is not sustainable. It can't feed the world. Um, even more so, there's people that will argue to the death that it's destructive and degenerative, causing pollution, contributing to climate change and carbon and CO2 emissions through methane and other gases. And um, you just really have to question that. And so for us, we, we work um, in a context that's holistic. And so this is some educational training uh, provided by a guy named Alan Savory. But essentially, when you manage herds of animals consistent with how these herds of animals have evolved over millions of years, um, you can actually regenerate, restore, heal the earth, heal grasslands. Um, and, and this is just fantastic for sequestering carbon, uh, retaining water, so being super drought resistant, having really great microorganisms living in the soil, creating tons of biodiversity for native species and migratory species. And so it's really like through this, through putting animals on grass where they're intended to and where they belong, can we really create these amazing ecosystems that can actually help you know, reverse climate change and do a lot of really good things positive for the planet? I love that answer. Um, I think so. When you're when you're talking, what you're describing this this kind of utopia is more of a what we call polyculture, and that's the way nature was was always designed to be. And a lot of the uh, the talk of methane emissions, um, you know, the the water issues, those are all coming from places where you're seeing monocultures and farming practices that have been kind of pioneered through efficiency models for kind of what we call conventional farming, that that's the part that's not sustainable. That's the part that's going to cause issues for the environment. You know, is that correct? Yeah, ab absolutely. We're talking about like industrialized right. agriculture and high intensity agriculture where you're relying on tons of um, external inputs. So, you know, like you're bringing in feed from across the planet to feed your cows and maybe like the rainforest was mowed down so that people could plant fucking corn there. And so like, there's no question that that's totally inefficient, obviously destructive, very short sighted. Um, and you know, like then you're introducing fertilizers and, and pesticides and like this system is totally broken and jacked and no one's debating that. But the conversation really is this isn't the only system. So right. Right. Let's focus on an alternative that's actually it's not even sustainable. Like let's let's question the word sustainable. Let's let's use words like regenerative, restorative, uh, healing because we can actually create a net positive, yes. and that's what we should be really shooting for. And, and you know that's like a really amazing opportunity to use animals uh, to do that. Yeah. So for people listening, how can they get involved, or how can they start to to do their part to help kind of make that wave get bigger and move forward? Yeah. Um, great question. I mean, there's tons of uh, ranchers out there that um, kind of have this heightened mindfulness and operate in a holistic context. And um, I mean, for us, uh, you know, you, you should just kind of search your local, you know, farmer's markets, ask people how they raise their animals. Um, but if there ever is in doubt, you know, um, be happy to share some of our, our favorite ranchers. But um, there's a, a really big, probably the largest farm in the United States that's doing this is called White Oak Pastures in there in southern Georgia. And they ship all over the the world. And um, they're actually going to be at Paleo FX this year. But awesome. these guys, yeah, it, I mean, talking about, uh, like you said, multi-species mm -hmm. pastures, uh, these guys have 12 different 
species of animals all interacting mm -hmm. in the same pasture. So they're like replicating the Serengeti plains of Africa. And it's just incredible. It's the most, I mean, the ecosystem there is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. So really kind of cool. Yeah. Finding people like that, supporting them. Yeah. So I guess be conscious of where you spend your dollar and, you know, every, every dollar that you spend in the store one way or the other is a vote, right? Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, yeah. You, I mean, with the meat that you purchase, you, you essentially are raising animals because you're influencing, you're casting a, a vote for what kind of livestock system you want to support. And, um, and this is kind of a discrepancy. Like, so if you're vegetarian and you say like, it's unethical or vegan, I don't want to support, I don't want to support this system. So you're opting out, you're not voting. Um, but it is important to vote because that's the only way you can make a change because if you don't vote, there's still going to be like conventional high intensity industrial agriculture versus like polyculture, holistic management and like stepping out, not voting for either. Then it's, you just like miss this opportunity to make an impact and influence people. And so, uh, so yeah, vote with your dollars. Another thing that you guys are starting to be champions of is, is the nose to tail movement. And that's another thing that, that we're seeing a lot of in the paleo world too. Can you explain that for our listeners? Yeah. Um, a big effort of, of Epic this year, 2016, is what we're calling the whole animal initiative. And so the genesis of this was, um, we're having conversations, uh, with our producers and we're saying, Hey, we, we want you to grow your herd. We want you to, um, you know, like we want you to have, uh, 10,000 bison in this pasture. Like, why do you only have 800? And, and a lot of these ranchers are saying, well, you know, traditionally this is how the meat industry works. Um, a jerky company will come in and they'll say, I want to buy uh, like I around for, for some products. And so they'll take, you know, like four to 8% of the entire animal by weight. And those economics, the rancher is still at a lot of risk to grow the herd. And so we've been able to, to come up with this program where we can say now like, Hey, Mr. Rancher, we want you to have 10,000 bison in that pasture and we'll commit to buying all 10,000 of those bison because we're going to find a way to use every piece of it. Um, and so that's, that's really powerful. I mean, that's industry uh, making impact and changing land and changing animal welfare standards. And, um, and so that's, that's really exciting. So, so right now, I mean, like with our beef, we're using uh, upwards of like 80, 90% of the entire animal through the um, entire line of products that we make. That's amazing. So, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and some of these new products, you've got the bone broth on the market. You have the, the beef tallow, right? And that's part of the animal fat line. Totally. Yeah. Uh, the, the animal fats are being rendered for traditional cooking oils. And then, like you said, all the bones are being, you know, slow cooked for, for broths. And then we're even using some of the organ meats to make um, jerky with the organ meats. And then the other cuts of the animal uh, we'll make our bars with and our, our jerky bites. And then we even like at, at Expo West this year, some of our trade shows will actually take some of the hides from the animals and we'll make lanyards um, or wallets or um, other things and kind of give them out to some of our customers. I tried the beef, the grass-fed beef liver jerky at Body Hacking Convention. And it's oh, great. Right. Yeah, that was, that was, I was so excited to see it. And I was so excited that it tastes great. Cool. Yeah, good. I'm glad you tried it. That's, that's going to be my new way to consume liver. <laughs> it's the least, it's the least offensive way I've, I've ever found. 
Yeah, and that, and that was the the goal, man. I mean, it's like a, a everyone knows. Hey, I should be eating more liver. It's it's nutritionally just incredible, but um, it's challenging a to find good liver and to prepare it, and then b most people don't like the way it tastes when you cook it at home. So we really wanted to create this product that like a, a little kid could it could be packed in their school lunch and they wouldn't freak out because um, that's kind of like my wife. Uh, she she eats three or four bags of that a week, um, but she will not touch a liver if I cook it at home. So go go figure. What's the best way to cook liver if we're going to cook it at home? Uh, I mean, I, I just like stuff. Um, uh, much, you, you just like the gamey stuff, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, okay. I'll just eat it. I just eat it. But, okay. uh, but for me, I think I'd say for most people who are – Getting into it maybe for the first time, um, you should probably like a try to make a pate recipe, or or b um, like bread it in some kind of like coconut flour or almond flour and then fry it. It's kind of cheating because I mean it's like fried chicken or something. It's obviously right. that makes it taste really delicious, right? But so, do it. Uh, I I gotta ask now that you just mentioned that the pate. Well, the last time I was in Austin, uh, I got to eat at Dai Dewey. I think I'm saying that correctly. And they had yep. an amazing uh, liver mousse. Yeah. Um, that's got to be one of your favorite restaurants down there. <laughs> yeah, that place is awesome. Yeah, I've had some great like pork jowls and um, other really cool like like beef heart and some other really awesome organ meats there. So that's a, a really cool restaurant that's doing things very similar to you guys where it's it's, you know, it's high quality meats animals that are grass-fed pasture raised and then it's you know using the entire animal not yep. just uh like the muscle cuts totally yeah and it's interesting like when you say the the muscle cuts but just really to like think back at ancestral eating and how we evolved as a species like um our ancestors when they you know hunt an elk and they kill it they would go right on into the organ meats. Like they'd cut it open, eat the organ meats right there, and then they'd crack open the bones and like eat the marrow. And um, and they'd leave like these prized, super lean muscle cuts that modern culture loves. Right, they right. just like feed them to the dogs or like leave them for the other scavenger animals. Yeah. Um, so there's something to that. There's something to eating more holistically, eating more of the animal, or at least expanding that because I think we're missing some of the most nutrient-rich parts sometime. Yeah. So now, I guess going forward with you guys, you guys just had some amazing news recently. Um, you can correct me on the phrasing if you want, but I guess you were acquired, purchased by General Mills. Correct. So, yeah. So that's awesome. And I mean, to me, it's as as a consumer and as somebody who has followed you guys from the first time I saw an Epic Bar, I think it's it's amazing to see that big food is acknowledging the demand for all the things that we've talked about in the last 30 minutes. And and I guess the other side of that is, I don't want to say a concern because, I mean, I, I see how passionate you are and I know that, that you know, you'll, you'll continue to try to use them as a platform to push this forward. So I guess that's what I think I would like to hear and our, our listeners want to hear is, you know, how, what what have you heard from Big Food in terms of, you know, moving forward with this and, and how can you guys use that larger platform to, you know, help spread this message? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, what, what happened with Epic being acquired by General Mills, which is an enormous company, is um, it really is revolutionary and, and it shouldn't be taken for granted because this is 
a really monumental stance a big food company took to invest in such a small company and a mission-driven company. And um, even what we've seen in the past three months, I mean, Epic is continuing to operate completely autonomously out of Austin, Texas. Um, no one from General Mills is telling us how to run our business. Um, obviously, they want to help out because they're really excited. Right. In, um, but but really, the challenge is sometimes blocking that and using the ac- accessing the resources we want, but also keeping away the things that we don't need or we don't want. And so, kind of going back to the the concept of you know like voting with your dollars and supporting what what kind of livestock system, what kind of ranchers do you want to support? Uh, I mean, the same thing is happening here because there's this really exciting opportunity. Um, where it's, it, it's bound to happen, where like a company like Epic or another really mission-driven company, maybe Natural Snack, Stacks or something else, like it's going to happen one day. But like, really what's going to happen right now is everyone in the entire food industry from all these mega corporations are watching this experiment. And if things work out positively, and, and for us we're measuring that by A, we're accelerating our positive impact on the planet – we're um, creating really awesome economic opportunities, growing our team, um, partnering with, with ranchers, partnering with uh, co-packers in small towns. Like That's really, really positive. Um, and then there's also a revenue component of that because without the revenue component, we can't have any impact. Like We're, just, we're not creating, we're not converting quickly enough. Right. But if we can do all these things and retain our culture and retain our values and, and our same operating philosophies – then this is monumental because other big food companies are going to start operating this way. Like people will be less likely to develop uh, like five more shitty pop tart flavors that no one cares about and creating like this shitty commercial for fruit roll ups that like cost this company like $10 million to create. And and this is like real money that they can reinvest and, and people, entrepreneurs, disruptive thinkers that can really actually create change, positive change. And then also, uh, I mean, General Mills is trying to learn a lot from us. So um, I think like next week they're sending their director of culture down here. Um, we've had multiple meetings with with like um, the higher ups in the, the organization, the president, the CEO, and people are really, um, really respecting how we operate culturally and, and really trying to learn from that, implement it. Um, and the intention really is like, hey, you need to, at the end of the day, like, if you don't adapt with the changing times and how consumers are changing and, and how they want food, then, you know, they're all going to be extinct. And so um, really the only option is to purchase young mission-driven companies because if General Mills tried to make um, Epic, uh, Epic ripoff, like no one right. would, it would have been just total bullshit. Right. Um, yeah. and, and so that's really the only option right now. Yeah. I think you nailed it. I mean, the, the people who are, that attracted to your mission and your brand would see right through, you know, somebody trying to create a knockoff, you know, if, if the values and the, the, the commitment weren't there the way it is for you guys. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so, I mean, you know, we're, we're really excited. Uh, we've already been able to increase, like create some really positive things that we've, uh, we've never been able to accomplish like converting ranchers. Um, we've already, in the last three months, like doubled the supply chain of grass-fed bison um, in the United States by basically pre-committing, pre-paying ranchers to take their animals. Where we, Epic, before we could never have afforded to right. do that. Right. But, but this is a really awesome resource. That is really cool. It, I'm I'm really happy to hear that. That's so awesome. Now, before we came on, um, 
you told me that that you guys just uh, you, you have some new wild game flavors and lines coming out, and you guys did something truly epic. You went and with a bow killed the first elk to become part of the uh, the elk bars. Yeah, man, that was an adventure of a lifetime. But it it, it honestly started like at our epic HQ in Austin. All of our employees like right. Um, write like one thing they want to do before they die on their wall. And that, that's kind of generic. Like people do that, but we actually like make it. people do this shit. Like right. check this off in one year, like not before you're dead, but in 12 months. Yeah. And so um, our director of ops, Kurt Blanchard, who was our first hire, you know, like three years ago, he wrote uh, bow hunt a monster elk in Colorado. And so like, shit, let's do it. Um, so we're, we're kicking off this brand new wild game line. So we're making a wild boar product uh, venison, um, salmon, and then a very limited run elk product. And so we went out to Colorado. We actually went out on one of our bison ranches for six days and hiked. I mean, we had to have hiked over a hundred miles all along the continental divide. And, um, you know, it really came down to the freaking last two hours of daylight. Oh God. On the last on day. day six. Yeah. And we're just like, shit, like the pressure's on. We had, we brought out a really amazing film crew to document the the hunt to harvest adventure, and um, and I mean, I don't want to spill the ending, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm smiling. We got it. Uh, so yeah, that video is going to come out this week, but it's going to be pretty legit. It's beautiful. So where will we? Where will we be able to see that video? Yeah, it's going to be um, field and stream online. They're pretty, yeah, pretty cool outdoor. Yeah. Um, website they're gonna they're gonna show it first um but it's also going to be um on our website um, through our our social media uh this week as well okay awesome um taylor i think i could sit here and and talk to you all day long i'm sure that uh, you have a business to go run Uh, we we appreciate your time before we let you go a couple of questions for you um number one aside from the video where can our listeners get more about learn more about you guys uh, get the bars stock up on all epic provisions sure man um you can go to epicbar.com and really get dialed in we have a lot of cool like limited small batch stuff there special um products that you can purchase there or you know like most people go to thrive or um amazon or uh barefoot provisions places like that are great resources as well Okay. Uh, Barefoot Provisions also carries Natural Stacks products. So I'm going to say go to Barefoot Provisions. Dude, and Barefoot Provisions will ship your shit to Canada. What? Yeah, those guys are awesome. We love them. Else will. Yeah, they're legit. I I bought $400 worth of stuff on Barefoot Provisions last (laughs) week. It's ridiculous. Um, so you guys listening, we'll have links to, uh, the book, all the websites, um, everything that we talked about, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to, uh, under the blog tab, you'll be able to see the the video version of this podcast with Taylor. Um, Taylor, before we let you go, all of our guests have to answer this question. Your top three tips to live optimal or live epic. Man. I mean, we, we kind of touched on it, so I'm not going to be too repetitive and redundant, but uh, number one, most important is is listen to your gut, uh, follow your instincts, like tap into that, trust your heart, um, because no one knows better than yourself. Um, number two would be, um, I, I think just just diet nutrition is is so ridiculously key. It's been a, a 
a catalyst for myself being healthy and well and, and performing at, at my gym and, and on the trails and racing, but also just like you said, in, in business, it carries over. It's very holistic. It helps me focus. Um, so, I mean, for me, primal diet works incredibly well. Um, and then I'd say number three is going to be to find the love of your life if you're interested in that and, um, make sure that that person is going to be like inspire you every day and, um, really challenge you to become the best person you can be. Um, so done. Awesome. Awesome. Taylor, this has been a blast and, uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with you guys in person in a couple of weeks. Uh, we got what, two, two months to paleo effects. Dude, I'm so pumped. Nothing stuck. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.